Welcome to the Direct Farm Podcast, the go-to resource for farms across the U.S. looking to grow and manage their business. Tune in weekly to hear tips and tactics from our most successful farmers on how to increase sales, access more customers, and save time and money. We'll also speak with industry experts, business leaders, and partners to share the latest farm business trends selling direct to market. Welcome to the Direct Farm Podcast. I'm Rory, your host for today's episode. We've got a great conversation for you today with one of our farm advisors, David Hopkins of Hopkins Farm, located in Cairo, Georgia. Welcome, David. Thanks for coming back on the podcast. I'm excited to have you here with us, and I think we're going to be kind of covering a lot of things today. But to start out, since it's been a little bit since you've been on the podcast, could you share with us a little bit about Hopkins Farm and what you guys produce? Yeah, Rory. So glad to be back. Glad that y'all have me again. I hope I didn't bore you too much last time. Hopkins Farms is in Cairo, Georgia. We've uh, been around a long time. I'm the fifth generation out here. And I think since the last time I talked to you, I don't remember if we were finishing up our spring crop or what we were doing, but we're now onto our fall crop and we started picking tomatoes and peppers and eggplant and stuff this past week. So we're getting right back busy in it again. Awesome. Well, so what was it that led you into, and I know we, we talked about this a lot in the last podcast, but what was it that really led you guys into going this direct-to-consumer route and selling your products direct-to-consumer? Well, we always have been wholesalers and doing everything else, but we always had people that were peddlers on the side. And we'd always sell stuff to them. And it seemed like we had a little bit more waste than what I wanted to see. So I kind of got out there and found some people that wanted to buy direct from their farmer. They wanted to know where their food came from. And I was happy to sell it to them and started doing farm to table boxes, as I like to call it. It's basically CSA, but you don't have to pay your money up front or anything. You can get a box each week and people kind of tended to enjoy doing that. They, like I said, they liked where their food, knowing where their food was coming from and had a face to put on it. And I'm not the best looking face, but I put on a smile and happy to get them some produce. That's awesome. Well, so when you're offering food products and kind of one of the first things I wanted to talk with you about today, when you're doing food products, there's always a wide variety of options that you can offer people. And I think especially so when you're doing produce, produce farmers that you're able to grow a lot and especially throughout the season. And so you can offer your customers a lot of different options. However, Hopkins Farms, you guys um, have pretty much always kept it to just a few items in your online store. I think I looked the other day and I think you guys currently have nine items in there. And those pretty much mostly are made up of bundle boxes and subscriptions. So I guess to start out, does limiting the amount of options a customer have, have you guys found that helps you actually increase sales? I'd say so. I mean, it's, uh, you know, kind of keeping it simple makes it a little bit easier, a little faster, streamlined through the store. Like you said, being a produce farmer, we can grow a lot of different stuff and we actually do anything that my dad even sparks a little bit of interest in. We have probably 40 different crops that we grow twice a year. So keeping up with that's enough of a headache, much less trying to do the individual stuff by the piece. We allow them to do some substitutions, say you don't eat eggplant. We grow a lot of eggplant and we enjoy it. But if you don't enjoy it, we're happy to take that off. And if you want to add more of another item that we have in the box that week, we're happy to make that substitution for you. But just trying to keep it more streamlined to where I got a box, I got nine items going in it every week. I could do a box with, you know, if you wanted just tomatoes, we'll sell you a box of just tomatoes too. It's just special requests that we kind of go with. Yeah. And I know like I've listened in or, or sometimes get to 
here are our account managers on their calls. And one of the things they share a lot is that when there are fewer items available, it's a little bit easier for people to make that purchase decision rather than taking the time to scroll through all the pages of your inventory. I know sometimes that can be really overwhelming for folks if they're, you know, having to click through all these different pages to look for the one thing that they're trying to get especially if it's they're scrolling through things that they might not even know what those products are or how they, they can use them. Yeah. Like I was saying, I mean, 40 different types. If we had all those individually listed, it would be somewhat of a nightmare come box day, delivery day, trying to pack all those up. Like, oh, I got to run over here and get a handful of this pepper. or You know, they didn't want this. And then trying to keep it all organized when we're out doing deliveries, it would just it'd be a lot tougher on us, but in the future, it could be something that we need to lean more towards just to keep our customers happy and make them coming back for more, really. does I know you mentioned it kind of helps streamline operations. How does it do that? How is this easier for you guys? And have you tried other systems that have been more work that kind of have led you to lean on this way? Be honest with you, I hadn't tried doing by the piece or by, you know, this person wants a handful of tomatoes and a pepper and this three items or whatever, just to keep it more simple. You know, I can get, I just, before I came in here, I made a call cause they're starting to load the truck to go to the farmer's market tonight with the stuff we picked today. And I told our guy that loads the trucks, I said, you need to save me this many tomatoes, this many boxes of pepper, this many boxes of eggplant. So I have all that stuff ready for me in the morning when I'm packing boxes. So I don't have to, you know, go get, you know, I just need, 20 of these pepper, you know, then I busted open a box and I'm not going to use the whole thing. And I feel like it's wasting more than it would do good at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. How do customers typically respond or what has been the general response since you guys started doing this offering, I guess, that you guys have in the store and how you have prioritized bundles and subscriptions? How do people kind of react to those? I think of people, they've enjoyed the offering that we've given them with the bundles we change up the produce as much as we can when it's in the heart of our busy season you're pretty much guaranteed to get tomatoes pepper and squash or something because we're picking that and i'm going to definitely put what i got in there first and then i think they've enjoyed that they hadn't had too many trouble and like i was saying with the subscriptions they keep coming back and they either forget to cancel it or they're enjoying it enough that they want to keep going so we just keep letting it ride yeah <laughs> That's awesome. I know, I know you mentioned you guys sometimes do one-off if somebody asks for just a box of tomatoes or if somebody says they don't want eggplant. How do you guys kind of handle those inquiries about a la carte options or customizations? And, and is that something, I guess, that you're trying to move away from? Oh, no. I'm not trying to move away that, from that at all. I love people that want a whole box of something. That's fairly easy. We're selling it to everybody else, so they're more than welcome to buy it too. Anywhere we can get a box sold that we might not sell otherwise is money ahead for us, so we're happy to do it. I don't mind people buying anything by the whole box. It's actually great. Yeah. What about do folks ever reach out and they give you like a specific order? Like I want five tomatoes. I want this many of this. I meant this many of this. How do you kind of deal with those inquiries? Do you ever get them or do you just kind of direct them towards those bundles? We do get those and then we try to explain to them how we're doing things and that we'd be happy to make special requests and fulfill those orders for them. But if you want just three items, you're still going to pay $30. You're still going to get a lot of those three items. So the price is pretty much going to stay the same because I have to sell the stuff mm -hmm. and I have to have the help, help me pack them and everything. So I got to kind of 
kind of stick to my guns a little bit and try to talk them into doing something like that. And I'd imagine that's, yeah, that's kind of a good way to go with it because that becomes a lot of work. Like you're saying, you want to make it worth it. So kind of having like that base order, I guess, I guess that's kind of what you've done there is you basically have a, an order minimum that if people do want these, a few of these specific products, you can do that, but it's got to become at a certain amount. That's right. You're going to get the same $30 box. That's our half bushel. That's what our go-to is. Everybody enjoys that one. You're going to get that same box, but if you want the less items, you're still going to get just an more of those items in that box by itself compared to the rest of the bundle that would be in there. Awesome. Well, you guys, you just mentioned like the half bushel, you guys offer bundles in three different sizes. And then those same three different sizes are also available in the form of a subscription. So folks can either kind of, you know, do the one-time purchase or, or get it over a period of weeks. Which option do you find that customers prefer? I think people are still learning about the subscription option. There's a couple that are uh, signed on and we see them every week, know them, know their family, what dog likes to ride in the car with them. It's great seeing them every week. We enjoy that. But people are still, people still like to travel and go out of town and stuff. So there's a lot of people that just do it weekly, depending on what we have on our list for each week. So they can kind of plan their menus around that. Do you find that it kind of, like, have you seen people doing the single bundle as almost like a, a trial and then signing up for the subscriptions? Like, I guess, has, has having those bundles available led to more subscription customers? I think it has. There's people that, uh, you know, we just wanted to try it out this week. And then you, you keep seeing them every week. And then you see their name pop up on the subscription thing. So they enjoying it enough to spend their money on something that we're offering. And we're definitely glad to have them. And they uh, stick around. And the one option that I... I'm and glad that Barn to Door has come out with was the where you could pause your subscription. So if they were to go out of town, they don't have to cancel it and then sign back up for it. Sometimes when you cancel something, you know, I would forget to sign back up for it myself. Yeah. Awesome. The other thing I kind of wanted to dive into with how you guys have bundles and subscriptions set up is is pricing. And I know pricing is always tough for farmers, especially when they're offering this bundle of products, because you you know, you kind of want to figure out what that total is worth. And that can be a little bit harder than just individual items. So how did you decide on that price for your boxes? Well, kind of get a story with that. When I was at school at Auburn University, I was a horticulture major. And we went and took a field trip one day to a farm outside of Auburn. And this man's sole job was a CSA. He, he had a farm. He had a little bit of uh, produce, a little bit of fruit. He had some satsuma trees. He was growing some broccoli, even had some ducks and stuff. And that was the first time I'd even heard of that. My family's been farming forever. Never heard of that in my life and I got to talking to him I was like well what are you doing he's like well I do a CSA and it's uh 10 weeks and it's 300 dollars so I just went ahead and said well it's 30 dollars a week we'll just start our pricing right there when we come back home so I I started doing the halves for 30 dollars and then I mean they're getting 30 dollars at the grocery store times too easy with our box I mean it's we my mom goes to the grocery store every now and then and just checks it and says, well, you're still doing good because this in the grocery store is so high compared to this, and you're giving them plenty of that. We also, we're selling this stuff every week, so we kind of know how much we're going to get for a box of tomatoes and how much for a box of pepper and stuff like that. So I, I kind of have an idea, and I hadn't changed my price since I started. I think it's fair for everybody, and it's fair for us as the growers. So it's 
okay way to go. Yeah, that's impressive that you haven't changed the price since you started. Have you guys thought about upping that? And I guess so in addition to that question, so are you thinking about changing the price in the future at any time? And then also what are the prices of the other? Because I know you do the full bushel and then the bag as well. So I hadn't really thought about having to go up. I mean, fertilizer this past year went, I think, 60% higher than what it was the year before. It's really been eating a hole in the, the farm budget, but we uh, we got enough money to do it again for the fall. So hopefully when we get done with our fall crop, we'll have enough money to do it again in the spring and the cycle of death will continue, but we'll keep on being here. The pricing for our boxes, so we have three options. We have full bushel box, which is, I say is enough for a family of six. Some of the bigger families, I'm, I'm the youngest of four children. So we had a family of six and it'd be enough for our family when we were growing up. It's $50 a week. And then I have a half bushel box, which I claim is enough for a family of four. It's $30 a week. And then I have a bag, which I started a couple years ago. I actually got the idea from another guy that was doing a farm to table thing and I was packing boxes for him. He had a bag and it's, it's a smaller quantity. It's good for one to two people like your older people that are, you know, empty nesters living by themselves. It's good for them. And it's $25 for the first week, but I have a reusable shopping bag with my name on the side of it. And if they bring it back to me, the next week's bag is only $20. So it's, kind of incentive to come back. You know, you got a $5 bag, bring it back. We'll sell you another bag for 20. Yeah, that's awesome. And I like, yeah, the kind of having the, the branded bag, some packaging branding there, and then making that almost like a little bit more incentive for somebody to stick around and keep making that purchase if they've already had the buy-in of getting the bag, which is awesome. I guess beyond that, is there any other kind of incentives that you build out or include for folks signing up for subscriptions versus the bundles is there any kind of like oh if you subscribe you're saving a little bit of money as well no but that is a really good idea we might need to look into that we've done some facebook ads facebook posts where you know like and share get a free week or whatever a free half bushel box we've done um stuff for teachers kind of get them involved but uh i don't know why i hadn't thought about uh thank you for that idea i don't know why i thought about that <laughs> yeah, no problem. I'm curious with the teachers because I know sometimes schools are really actually a really great market for farmers. What kind of stuff have you guys done with teachers? Well, we do our deliveries every Thursday in three different towns. And if you're a business, we'll come to your business, but you got to buy five. But for the teachers, we decided they can't leave. They don't have any control over what they're doing. They're having to deal with people's children all day long. We might as well help them out. And if there's a teacher at a school that wants one, we'll take it to them. And then you're putting it on the desk in the office in there. So all the moms that come in to pick up their kids early or all the teachers that walk by, they can see it. And our box also have our brand on them and a website and everything. and Kind of a little shoe in to get in the door with that, hopefully. Yeah, that's awesome. That's really smart too. You know, maybe some parents will come in and see the box. That's awesome. And then you kind of mentioned there that if five people from a business or something sign up, you, you guys will then make that like a drop site or kind of add it to your delivery route. Yeah. So we um started doing deliveries during the pandemic. People just couldn't get out of their house or didn't want to get out of the house. We've always gone to the schools because teachers couldn't get out and go pick them up. But then people were at businesses like, hey, do you drop off here? 
And I was like, no, we do not yet. But if you get five people to sign on, I'll bring them there and y'all won't have to pay the delivery fee. So that was kind of an incentive to get, you know, a couple more people, get your coworkers talked into it and we'll be happy to come and drop them off there. Y'all don't have to leave or waste your time during lunch to go pick them up. That's really awesome. I, I, I love that idea because that's a great incentive, I guess, is that free delivery, but also gives you the assurance of making that delivery worthwhile, which is really right. awesome. And then I was curious what kind of as we're talking about all this other payment things, what do you guys do? I know with the subscriptions feature, there's some different uh, smaller features built into that. So you can do like pay up front, you can do pay as you go with subscriptions. What kind of payment options do you guys allow customers to, to use? I think that pay as you go thing is, is a new one to me. We'll have to look into that as well. We just, um, it's all been paid up front, all online ahead of time. And that before we got on barn to door, it was show up and I'll give you your box. You give me your money. And the paying up front really cured some amnesia that some people had. There was always, you know, one or two people that tended to forget about it every week, but that's kind of slowed them down. And we still have to run some people down every now and then. And I don't like to, you know, not refund people, but kind of explain to them, I'm going to let you slide this time, but you got to understand that I can't put this stuff back on the bush. Once I take it off, it's ready to sell and I can't do anything else with it. So I really Mm -hmm. need you to meet me or tell me where you're at so I can meet you. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that is always kind of a hard line to draw, but you kind of have to, because like you said, you can't put it back on the bush. You got to do something with that product. Would you have any advice for farmers that are kind of early on in this, trying to figure out how to set up pricing and manage a program like the one you're doing? Do you have any advice for how they could go about deciding on a good price for their products? You got to take it and realize that your time is worth something. And these people are, they're wanting a new experience. They've been going to the grocery store, looking at the produce and the produce section or the meat and the meat section and you're adding an extra value to it and you need to see that they're getting an added bonus knowing where it's coming from knowing that it's a good investment on their part you're growing a a food that you're feeding to your family every day and there should be no worries coming behind that and that should be the added value to your price mm-hmm. definitely yeah and then in terms of you i know you've mentioned a little bit of delivery and we talked about how if you get a certain amount of people at one location they get that free delivery but what is your regular delivery fee? What are you guys charging for delivery? We have a, a radius set up on barn to door so where people can go. It's $10 a stop. So, I mean, gas has gotten ridiculously high, but we've stuck to $10 and we're going to leave it there. We don't want to put a, a hurting on people more than we have to. But we also got to get a little bit for our time of driving around town. One of the towns we go to, Tallahassee, that. That's a big town. It's the capital of Florida, as everybody knows. But it's a, you know, you can spend 45 minutes driving to one side of town to drop off one box. So uh, we, we we kept it at $10, and I think it's it's worth our time and worth the people's time if they don't want to drive over to the, the central location to meet us. Yeah, definitely. And has that fee always, it's always been $10? You guys have kind of kept that the same? And if so, are you, have you guys thought about raising that? Because I know uh, gas prices have gone up a lot. And as you've kind of said, your program has grown too, which I think probably means more deliveries. It has. Um, it actually started at $5. And this was the third or fourth week of the pandemic. And everything was crazy. And I think one week we got over 150 or 200 mm-hmm. something stops. So it was insane. 
And I said, we're going to have to weed out a couple of these stops. Let's put $10 on it. And I think next week we did the same thing. So I should have went up one more time, but I just kept it at 10. (laughs) That's awesome. How have people kind of reacted to the delivery fee? Because I know sometimes people get upset about those, but from that story, it sounds like people are perfectly fine with the extra $5. Have you guys gotten any uh, responses on the delivery fee? I think we had one person that was upset with it when we first started doing deliveries and ended up raising the price a little bit. She was living south of town in Tallahassee, and it was that one that was 30 minutes, 45 minutes out of the way. And when we were doing, like I said, 100, 150 stops and trying to get that many people, I'm not UPS. I don't have a big box truck to deliver all this stuff. And I had to recruit my mom, my brother, my wife, my dad, everybody that had a driver's license and a last name Hopkins was in a vehicle delivering boxes those weeks. And uh, I think it was just that one person that was kind of upset about (laughs) it, but we hated to see her go, but we were just doing the best we could at the time. Yeah, definitely. I like that you you brought on the whole team to help you guys manage the deliveries at the time. That's great. I think there's a couple of things I really like that you said there. One being, it's usually not a lot of people that are opposed to a delivery fee. I think people are pretty accustomed to those at this point. But also that you kind of, earlier you talked about you make sure you're getting paid for the time. Why is charging a delivery fee been something that's been important for the operations of your business and specifically the operation of your delivery program? Well, I mean, you just have to realize that your time, besides all the blood, sweat, and tears you're putting into these crops, your time is worth something on top of that. So you're, you're getting a little bit for picking it and growing it and harvesting it and getting it to the consumer. You're going to have to get just a little bit more when you get in that car and drive the extra little distance to meet them somewhere if they can't come meet you. I don't mind doing deliveries. Sometimes delivery is easier than waiting an hour or two hours on some of our stops where we're set up, just waiting for people to come. It's, you know, you can get done a little bit faster and get back to what you need to be doing on the farm if you just go fill up the car full of deliveries and take off, deliver them and get back. Yeah, kind of more on your own schedule, which is really nice. What would be your advice, I guess, kind of going back to, we, we started this talking about you guys have such a streamlined inventory and how that really helps your guys' operations and keep things smooth when you stick to those kind of limited product offerings. What would be your advice to farms that that have really large inventories in their online store where it is pages and pages of inventory? Or what would you, you say to them to maybe point out, I guess, what you guys are doing and how that can work? My advice would be if they have the time and the organizational skills to manage a larger inventory, more power to them. But You know, like I was saying when we first started this podcast, I just got off a tractor just in time to come in here and talk with you. And from my standpoint, it doesn't seem like it would be something that would be beneficial to me or my customers because I would just be running around like a crazy chicken with my head cut off trying to figure out where your box went when I packed it with three items in there instead of the normal bundle that it is. Yeah, definitely. No, and I think a lot of folks will will relate to that. I think it's very common that farmers don't have a lot of extra time. And so being able to simplify this part of your business and make things easier, one on the upfront work of putting all this stuff in the store, but then also on the back end work of when people are placing orders and you're not having to assemble a bunch of different customized orders, you can kind of just stick to a few basics, which can be really helpful. Well, David, thanks so much. Um, I guess as kind of a final question for you, what is, I know you're in the middle of harvesting, but what is next at Hopkins Farms? What do you guys kind of have on your radar before we kind of close out the year here? 
Well, we're like I said, we're about to finish up picking peanuts. We don't have any cotton this time. We got done with all our corn. About to really start uh, really hard into the, the tomatoes and the pepper. And here comes Thanksgiving and we'll start cutting collards through the New Year's. And that's always been something we've really made our year on, just cutting greens. But in the future for Hopkins Farms, me and my brother have sat down and we really want to get direct-to-consumer meat business started up. And we have a bunch of cows. We got a butcher lined up. We're just trying to get all the pieces in place to start doing that, get all the government paperwork stuff out of the way, and just get on to where we can do something like that because we we really enjoy enjoy the people and enjoy you know being able to support them and bring them stuff that they want and need and people have been always asking me you know when y'all gonna get some meat on this barn to door thing so we we hoping we can do that in the next year that's awesome that's really exciting and i'll look forward to hearing you from that we'll definitely have to have you back on to, to talk about the progress you guys are making there and even how that process works of getting all that set up thanks so much for for joining us david i appreciate it thank you Roy. thank you for having me i want to extend my thanks to david for joining us on this week's podcast episode here at Barn to Door, we're humbled to support thousands of farms across the country, including farms like Hopkins Farms. We're honored to get the opportunity to learn from these most successful farms who are sharing the tactics, the resources, and the tools they're using to grow and manage their farm business. If you would like to connect with David and any other farm advisors, you can attend Barn to Door Connect. So you can register for those weekly sessions at barndoor.com connect. For more information on Hopkins Farms, you can follow them on Instagram, their handle is at Hopkins underscore farm to table. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. For more free farm resources, tips, and tactics that our most successful farms use to grow and manage their business, visit barndoor.com slash resources. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Direct Farm Podcast to automatically download our weekly episodes. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.